Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jessica, Oracle of the South. Join me tonight as we enter the portal into the world of cryptids, Bigfoot, aliens, UFOs, Ghosts and Interdimensionals. Hey, all Welcome into the portal. I'm Jessica, the Oracle of the South. I have a great show for you guys tonight. I've got my guest is Trey from Squatch Me Now. Um, before I bring Trey up, I want you guys to go um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, it's Oracle of the South. Also, I have several Instagram pages. <laughs> the first one is Oracle of the South. Um, that's my personal page with my, I do tarot readings and Bigfoot stuff and all that paranormal fun stuff. And, uh, and I also have Warwoman Goods. That's my jewelry shop. So maybe you guys can do your Christmas shopping with me this, this month. Okay. And also I have the Instagram for our show. It's into the portal underscore Jessica. So you guys be sure to go follow me on all of those social media sites. Okay. Um, yeah. So. My guest tonight is Trey from Squatch Me Now. You might recognize um, Squatch Me Now from Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all these great social media sites. If you really want to go down the rabbit hole on Bigfoot, you guys go check out Trey at Squatch Me Now. Okay, I'm going to bring Trey up uh, because we have so much to talk about tonight. Hi, Trey. It's nice to meet you. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah. So Trey, you are all about Bigfoot, obviously, right? I know you have yeah. a docu-series that you're working on right now called I Masters do. of the Hunt. And we're going to talk about that sure. in just a little bit. Okay. But first, I want you to just kind of tell me how you got into the whole Bigfoot phenomenon. Um, so uh, from a very young age, I had an interest in paleoanthropology, uh, paleontology, these kinds of things, um, very young age. And then when I was a little bit older, I had some of my own sort of paranormal experiences, um, which sort of opened my mind to what's possible. Uh, so I'm, I'm into a lot of different paranormal subjects, but Bigfoot uh, is more grounded, I guess you would say. It's, it's, a, it's based in, <laughs> uh, you know, paleoanthropology i mean there are there's a fossil record that in some to some degree supports 
the phenomenon. So um, right. I work in social media marketing, uh, digital marketing, social media specifically. Um, and so I started the Squatch Me Now platform as sort of a way for me to explore something I was very interested in um, and also experiment with uh, social media. So um, that's sort of how the Squatch Me Now uh, platforms came about. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I really think that Bigfoot is a very uh, important issue. I think it's something that's an important thing to look at, I think, from all kinds of different perspectives. But it's also a catalyst uh, and a gateway sort of subject to all kinds of other things from psychology, quantum physics, uh, you know, paleoanthropology, obviously, um, uh, the history of indigenous people, all kinds of things. So uh, photography, yeah. videography. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a subject that I just find extremely interesting because there's so much else that you can, uh, so many different angles, I guess, that you can look at the subject. And it seems like it it covers all your bases because you're a film documentarian and uh, you do the social media. I mean, I, I think that you have one of the most thorough social media sites when it comes to Bigfoot evidence. Honestly, oh. um, I... I I do a lot of field research. Okay. So I'm out in the field and, uh, and I, I see all the evidence that my team gets and, you know, the, our associates and I have not actually gone down the rabbit hole on social media until recently. I mean, occasionally I'll get a video, you know, and people send me stuff pretty often, but, uh, but, but going through your, you know, your podcast and your YouTube, um, it really opened my eyes. There's so much more out there um, than I've seen before. And it's, it's very impressive. Well, I do a bit of field work, but at the same time, um, how many people actually go out and, you know, I have this weekend or this week or whatever it is to go out and do field research. Uh, what are the chances really of, of having an encounter? Um, maybe if you're in the right place, obviously, if you have a hotspot, a, a place of significant activity. But we also, the great thing about social media is that there's people all over the world, you know, on social media, people that are out having experiences, just out going on a hike or going fishing yeah, or going hunting. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a great way to network with people and also um, bring some clout, I guess you could say to the subject, make people feel more comfortable about talking about it, you know, I've gotten, since I started the page, I didn't really expect to, for people to start sending me stuff, you know, I, I was going to ask you about that. Videos, How many people are photos. sending you stuff? I can only imagine. Right. So there's so much more we can do as far as collecting evidence that doesn't occur in the field. Um, mm -hmm. And from, you know, my, you know, I work in social media and digital marketing now, but originally I started in film production. Um, and, you know, as a videographer, a photographer, photographer, a filmmaker. And so I can look at all these videos and all these photos from that perspective, which, you know, uh, we were talking before the show started. It's, um, it's a lot more complicated. A lot of people want to say that all these videos, all these photos, all this stuff is fake. And if you come at it from a sort of behind the scenes, behind the camera, um, perspective it's not as easy it's easy to say it's easy to get on social media and be like ah oh, it's fake in the comments All right it's not as easy to actually fake it people think it is um but these aren't a lot of these suits <laughs> they're, they're clearly not the 
uh, $100. Uh, the Walmart suit, or right? <laughs> suit or whatever it is. Right. Um, and some of the things these uh, subjects are doing are clearly not possible mm-hmm. um, by a normal person. Uh, the athleticism in some of these videos are, is astounding. So, and, you know, and so then the next statement is always, um, well, it's CGI. That's even more expensive and more complicated than um, trying to do it practically or, and practical, practical mm-hmm. effects or makeup effects, suits, that kind of thing. That's interesting. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so yeah, and, and that's why I really w- am excited to have you on tonight to talk about that because there are, you know, I see a lot of videos and I'm, I'm thinking, man, that is so fake. You know, that's like a, a gorilla at the zoo or something, you know, mm-hmm. but um. You know, I, I feel like there's there are certain times when I see things, my body has a physical reaction when things resonate and I've, and it's real, you know, and, and I've, I've come across a lot of that lately. Um, you know, I, I know it may sound a little interesting, a little weird, but I mean, I, my body literally has a reaction to it, like goosebumps sure. and things like that. And, you know, life is all about energy, frequency, vibration, you know, and I think that that has something to do with that, you know, when, when it's like, wow, this is real. And yeah. uh, maybe I'm just on that vibe. <laughs> or, or maybe it's just this inherent thing in humans. You know, mm-hmm. I think you hear a lot of witness accounts and they're at first they're like, oh, that's a big guy over there. And they're like, and then I realized it wasn't. And then I realized there was, you know, yeah. maybe I just saw a silhouette or I just saw his night or whatever. Um, and when they say, you know, when I realized that wasn't a person, but it looked like a person. You know, and, and, and something we're going to delve into in, in the docu-series is the Uncanny Valley. I don't know if you know about the Uncanny Valley, but the Uncanny no. Valley. Tell me about it. <laughs> a, it's a theory um, that was developed by a, Jap- a Japanese scientist in 1970. Mm-hmm. He was studying robotics. And as he would make his robots more human-like, mm-hmm. um, people would have this adverse reaction to them. You know, and we see that now. We're seeing these robots that look very human and people see them, you see it on social media, you see a video yeah. and you're like, ah, that's, you know, Creepy. So it's a little, it's a little R2D2 robot. Yeah. That's really cute. Everybody loves R2D2. Yeah. But as it starts to get more human-like, it starts to get more creepy. So the uncanny Valley is actually a, it's a dip on a graph that was created. And this graph is as something gets more human-like, Mm-hmm. We like it a lot less. So the our opinion or our feeling about yeah. about it gets l- uh, less. So um, what that tells us in the theory of the uncanny valley is that at some point there was something that looked very human that instilled was this catalyst it instilled this fear of things in us mm-hmm. that look human but aren't human. Mm-hmm. Something that was preying on us at some point. I mean, that's, that's the only yeah. way fears develop. So when you get that weird feeling when you're watching these videos, it could, you know, it may come from this inherent um, ancient feeling that just exists, this genetic memory, if you will, that yeah. at one point, and we know this is true now, like we know this is true. We know that Neanderthals and Denisovans and other ghost populations of early hominids were interbreeding with us, interacting with us. And 
I don't think the interbreeding was going down with like the Geico caveman showing up in a convertible <laughs> saying, hey, babe, let's go out for on a date. This was unga probably really violent. <laughs> you know, this was probably not a, a very pleasant thing that was occurring. So um, it, that feeling you're getting is probably some sort of genetic memory or, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, your remote viewing. Uh, Could be. Energy. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's really, it's really interesting too. When I see a lot of these videos I've been seeing, you know, and you see the face on these creatures and it does look human a lot of times or sometimes. And, uh, you know, I've never actually been face to face where I saw its actual face. I mean, I've been there with them, but I have never gotten right in their, its face, of course. Right. <laughs> so right. when I see these videos, I, I travel back to all the times that I have been in the presence of Bigfoot and I, and it, it's a little, it's a little more creepy actually, right. <laughs> you know, when you, when you see it, cause I experience them so, you know, often in the woods and, mm -hmm. uh, and to see it, it's, it's kind of it's, can be terrifying. Honestly, it's not terrifying to me. I'm pretty inoculated to all this. So, but, uh, but just the face, it, it, um, it kind of transports me back to the woods for a half second when I'm seeing these videos and thinking, well, that's what I'm looking, that's what I'm feeling and seeing and experiencing and talking to. Um, right. And so, and speaking of which, so, you know, I personally, I'm, I'm a field researcher, you know, and I am not one that's ever, tried to prove anything to anyone. I, I have gone out there to communicate with these beings, right? And to experience these beings and to to just get to know them and whatnot. It's not like I'm where I'm I'm personally going out there to prove, you know, and so I'm not real big on taking all the equipment and having to, you know, I, I do have a team that I'm on that one of my teams, I'm a member of several different teams and they do all of the, you know, we, we do the measurements, you know, and we do the, all the videos and we do the FLIR and we do, you know, all that's the scientific side, you know, but I, I really like to just go out in the woods and just kind of experience everything and just, right. and feel, you know, it's almost like the Indians that did the spirit tracking, you know, back in the day, like that kind of stuff where, you know, I find when we have less equipment, we get more activity out there. Sure. But um, but instead of, you know, going out to just try to on my side of, of my experience, it's more to communicate with with these beings. And it's not so much as to prove it. You know, right. I know they're so, out yeah. there. <laughs> it's very hard to prove. You know, it's not yeah. I mean, to actually prove this to science would be quite the task. Um, especially if you're not trying to, you know, take a life. Um, True. But uh, that doesn't mean it's not real. That doesn't mean there's not exactly. Well, see, phenomenon. and uh, yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, is um, you know, with the Bigfoot in the woods, we get so much other paranormal activity. <laughs> so it's not just Bigfoot, it's everything. You know, we have so much other stuff going on out there. That's the X, we call it the X factor. You know, there's, there's an X factor of the Bigfoot in my experience, and there's just so much more, you know? And so you, you go down one path where you're trying to study and communicate and deal with Bigfoot out there. And then you've got like trickster spirits over here and you've got, you know, UFOs chasing you around and, <laughs> You know, so yeah, it's, 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 um, many prongs, you know, um, yeah, out there. There's a lot to it. Um, yeah. And, you know, time is something I, I think I've talked to, um, other interviewers before is time that we're learning with quantum physics is synchronous. So if time is synchronous, um, and it's all happening at one time, are we just seeing 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pieces of other times, are we, is there, are we dealing with electromagnetic anomalies that are opening gateways? You know, are you guys using... Uh, EMF detectors or anything when you go out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We we have all that. We use the right. Geiger counters, EMF, REM pods, whatever. I mean, we, we have everything. <laughs> um, because if they are coming through um, some sort of portal, they're going to create an electromagnetic signature of some sort. Right. So it's a good right. thing to have that sort of instrument. Yeah, we, we have all of that. I don't know. Um, I, I did a, an interview um, with a couple of my teammates where we ha- actually have on film a black cube that shows up in the middle of a field. And uh, we sent our teammates into this cube that showed up on the heat as a heat signature and uh, and they disappeared and the lost radio contact. And then they turn around and walked out. Yeah. Right. So yeah. We, we have and, and, you know, there was a little radiation spike and, you know, all, we, it was all measured and, and, and it was all all recorded all of it. So yeah, we, we don't, we haven't released all that (laughs) to the public, but you know, a lot of researchers don't, they don't, you know, when you're out there researching the same spot over and over and you have your places, you don't give your location away and you also don't, um, you know, you you don't share all your evidence um, with everyone. You know, the time just hasn't been right yet, you know, uh, because we're still, we're still uh, researching. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's not it's not time to let all the, the cats out of the bag, you know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just to maintain the integrity of the research at, sure. at this time, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 yeah there's um, it's a lot building a case for this. And so what I'm trying to do in the on on the end of the doc docu series, we are doing field work uh, that is being done. Uh, we are looking at at we're starting with sort of the same area you're in the the Appalachian uh, mountains with the first season, but um, we're also looking uh, like I was talking about earlier at the possibility of how, how difficult is something to be faked? Um, Why is Bigfoot blurry? That's a question we're looking at. You know, everybody wants to (laughs) joke is Bigfoot really blurry or do people just not know or understand camera technology? Because mm-hmm. if your shutter speed is not correct, if your camera's out of focus, if uh, the subject is 200 yards away and you have to crop in significantly, um, you're going to degrade the quality of the footage and people will call pixelization blur. That's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of aspects of uh, technical aspects of camera work, which mm-hmm. affect that. And then you have things like if these guys are covered in hair and they're moving quickly that hair is going to create a blur effect almost you know just moving around flapping around especially if your shutter speed isn't correct and if you're using a game camera at night uh, game cameras at night are going to lower their shutter speed significantly um, for their night mode i mean that's how Mm -hmm. you allow more light into the lens by lowering your shutter speed so if something moves quickly across that frame, it's going to be blurry because the shutter is so low. Um, if you, yeah. you know, people that are shooting 
action sports, that kind of stuff, they're going to be using a very high shutter speed to get more detail and less blur. Um, but you're not going to be able to do that when you're shooting at night. So, well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah it's interesting that you're, you, to do that. that you have all of that equipment, you know, because like my team, my teams that I'm on, we're, we're not out there with these cameras. Like, I mean, we have good cameras. We have great equipment. The guys all have great equipment and ladies. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about, I never looked at it that way. I didn't think about it. Like, you know, the cameras that they have at race car events and stuff, you know, NASCAR, you know, those have to be really fast <laughs> to take the bidgers. Right. And that's kind of the equipment that could be used out there, you know, well, because also, but, look, mm-hmm. look at any nature photographer uh, that Nat Geo sends out for three years to get an image of this rare Arctic fox or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Their lens is going to be about this long. Yeah. Wow. It's about a 400 millimeter lens to shoot nature photography. People are always like, why can't we get a clear photo? Well, using this. Yeah. This has about a 24 to 28 millimeter lens. So um, now these cameras do have digital zoom, but that's not the same thing as a proper zoom lens. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get a good photo of a creature at a long distance. Most of these nature mm-hmm. photographers, these Nat Geo photographers, they're sitting with their camera on a tripod. They've got about $20,000 worth of camera equipment. The lens alone is about 10 grand. And they're sitting there for years with this camera on a tripod, pointing it in a certain direction and hoping that this Arctic fox or whatever it may be wanders in front of this camera. Who's paying for that with Bigfoot? Who's paying yeah. to put these photographers <laughs> right. out in the field for years at a time with tens of thousand dollars worth of equipment and hoping to get this rare uh, subject on, on camera. I don't think anybody's doing that. <laughs> we have to, you know, we, we so, all have to, um, to support ourselves, you know, so it's all the equipment is self bought, right. you know? Yeah. And so the fact that that's not happening, Nat Geo is not putting up the money for that. Nat Geo is not. Yeah. Why not? We need to write a letter. <laughs> Come yeah, on, Nat Geo. I mean, <laughs> Well, hopefully, you know, my, my goal with the documentary is eventually, you know, we're able to take this series on for a while and, and we will be able to spend time, that kind of time with the proper equipment to do this. Uh, you're not going to get the right footage with a GoPro. You're not going to get the right footage likely with a trail camera. You're not going to get the right footage with a phone. It's just not going to happen. Uh, it doesn't mean that the equipment's not good. It doesn't mean it's not quality. It's just not the right equipment for the job. You might be able to get something. You might you might get some evidence, but it's not going to be the evidence that people want. Because everything, I mean, again, that was a reason I created, one of the reasons I created the social media pages was to start hearing people's opinion of the subject as well as putting out the information mm-hmm. um, that's out there that a lot of people maybe haven't seen. Um, but to also get an idea of what people's sort of thoughts on it are and their complaints and this, that, and the other. You know, one of the big complaints is, oh, it's blurry again. It's this, it's that. It's because this farmer that walked out in his field that day didn't expect (laughs) to see a Bigfoot running across the field and didn't expect to, you know, is it, is it twilight? Oh, these people are hanging out on their porch and this creature is walking around their field or whatever the case may be. And they pick up their phone and they're like, I'm just going to get something. So a lot of And they're shaking usually, right? (laughs) And if you, the more you zoom in, and this is why I brought up tripods a minute ago is stabilization equipment is extremely important. Um, if you don't want a shaky video, you need to have that camera locked down. Um, and you need to have a long enough lens to get detail. 
so a handheld phone video is it's great to have it's great to see something but it's only going to, to allow you to have so much information uh digitally or on film or whatever the case may be there's only going to be so much visual information available there you can even if it's an 8k iphone whatever 12 pro whatever it may be you're only going to be able to zoom in so far before you start losing detail if it's 8k you can zoom in say eight times before you get to 1080 footage mm -hmm. and then it's still hd but how far away is the subject at that point how far do you have to zoom in to get it and the more you zoom in with the digital zoom on a phone the more shake you're going to get mm -hmm. even if i had a 400 millimeter lens on a camera like this it's still going to shake it's still going to be shaky if i'm if i'm trying to do it handheld the footage is still going to be shaky because the more you zoom in the more the shake is apparent it's not necessarily more shake but the more shake is apparent in the video so mm -hmm. You know, to to really get the footage, the shot that everybody wants, that clear, crisp, Nat mm -hmm. Geo, nature photography style photo, you're going to have to have expensive equipment. You're going to have to have people out in the field for a long period of time. Now, have, okay, so you're. Do you have a team? I mean, what kind of team do you have that's going out there? Do you have a, a big group, or is it just a couple of people? Or uh, the team for the docu series is. Um, mixed it's a mixed bag we have designers that are working on suits because we are building and developing different suits we want to show people what that process is how expensive it is to actually try to fake something like this or or to recreate something like this you know a, a few weeks back we were i was just trying to shoot some stuff in a in a cornfield um and this cornfield uh was full of these uh like almost like a sand spur but it's about this big and fuzzy but it has these big spurs coming out of it yeah. and like, they used to apparently they used to not be that large but uh <laughs> they've become immune to roundup and they've become like super thorns oh like wow spurs uh or spurs so they uh you know we went out in that field to shoot some stuff and came back out and we're just covered in these things and we could barely get through this corn so you think a cornfield's a pretty easy thing to shoot in right you just think of this like beautifully manicured you know cornfield shouldn't be a problem there's rows and everything you mm -hmm. should just be able to walk through it but there's all this other stuff going on um and these all those other factors up. yeah right so um and then you have you know we tried to get and we tried to do that shoot for about three weeks prior to that but we kept getting rain and it was super muddy and we're trying like, i don't want to go too far into it we're using we developed some technology to try to create um or modified some technology to try to create sort of the athleticism athleticism and like uh jumping and running and that kind of thing we see as well as the height that we see in some of these videos and we couldn't use that particular technology in in mud so that's a whole nother factor interesting uh, and then also we have you know expensive equipment we have mm -hmm. rain and you don't want to get in wet so <laughs> yeah just trying to get this one shot to to show that um how maybe something could be faked was extremely difficult and extremely expensive just before we before we ever got there um just developing the technology developing the suit uh, well and what about an actor do you have somebody that's big enough to go into a suit like that and so to have, make the moves we have so we've got we're doing multiple versions uh we have some suits that don't require a, a huge guy because the suit has it's been modified for, for to put a smaller person in it to make them look larger 
And then we do have a guy that's a six foot seven, 375 pound ex pro wrestler. Oh, wow. That's a big that's guy. Custom, <laughs> yeah. He's in a custom suit. I mean, he's the biggest guy I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Now is he agile? <laughs> that's the question. He's, he is a, he's not a, he's a, he still lifts weights. He still works uh-huh. out. He's still a pretty big, um, but you know, a, a guy of that size can only be so agile. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, an interesting aspect of this, um, is we were in the middle of uh, a city in a warehouse doing a makeup test. Um, he put with this guy, we put the suit and the makeup appliances and everything on him. And we're just doing some camera tests in the warehouse. And I'm like, you know what, let's go outside because there's a busy, it's actually on a corner this warehouse. is kind of on a corner of two very busy roads um, in this town. I'm like, let's just go out to the corner, this busy intersection and have you stand out there and wave. <laughs> just like it's okay. a promo for a car lot or something. Car wash, um, yeah. <laughs> Get uh, your so taxes just, done here. <laughs> just take this giant guy outside yeah. in a Bigfoot suit and just have him wave at traffic. I would say 75% of the people passing by didn't even notice. Was he camouflaged or was he just like He's standing in the middle of an open parking lot wow. on the side of the road. People are looking yeah. at their radio. They're looking at the road ahead of them. They're looking at their phone. Looking at in La La Land, right? Wow. <laughs> so if we're talking about a Bigfoot stand, peeking out from behind a tree on the side of a road, what's the chance of you actually seeing him? You know, I mean, people. you know, and you got to think like – Sometimes if that were a real Bigfoot and maybe it, even if it, when it's just a guy in a suit, sometimes your mind won't even see it. <laughs> you know, right. it won't like what we have Bigfoots in the woods. I, I've probably been right in front of me and I didn't see them. You know, right. sometimes there are things that your brain can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. And so you just don't see it. <laughs> right. You know, think so, about yeah. some people see UFOs, some people see orbs. Some people see nothing. They'll be standing right beside you. I've been in that situation before where I was looking at orbs all around me and the person standing beside me could only see them through the phone, you know, recording them. There was, there's a documentary that came out many years ago now called what the bleep do we know? I don't know. I love, yeah, I saw that. I like that. uh, Mm -hmm. They talk about in that, that native Americans likely didn't see the ships of uh, colonizers or Mm -hmm. whoever, uh, out on the horizon because they had no frame of reference for it. Exactly. Until these guys were like basically pulling up on shore, uh, they didn't even see the ships out on the horizon. So it's kind of that same concept is that Mm -hmm. if the brain doesn't have a a reference for it, it may not even process it. Yeah. Something I talked to Bo over at the Bump Podcast about the first time I talked to him was Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Also, hair is basically an antenna. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you get a, a weird feeling or something. Your hair stands up on your yeah. arms or whatnot. Uh, back of your neck. It's an antenna basically for your nervous system. And that's being caused by electrical signals moving through mm-hmm. the body right so what if these um or some of these creatures have hair um 
that can become almost like uh, fiber optics. Like you could actually, mm -hmm. the hair itself reacts to something in the nervous system, something the brain is telling the hair to do and can uh, reflect the, the surroundings. I mean, that's a, that's an idea. I'm trying to- I try Cloaking, to right? Cloaking, yeah. practical cloaking. concept of how cloaking could occur with these things. Because people talk about that a lot. People mm -hmm. talk about the predator look or whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it. And if you were to use hair for something like that, that would be an actual really great way to do it because it's flowing and there's individual strands. Um, and it would likely, if it was able to do that, would produce a similar type effect. If you could, you know, if, if these creatures could send a signal to that hair in their brain to... Uh, mm -hmm reflect its surroundings as like a camouflage so um i think that we're probably dealing here with lots of different types mm -hmm. that make up the bigfoot phenomenon and uh probably from various origins and that have continued to adapt and evolve since as we have and um you know what's their intelligence like and and what are the what's their brains like and do, are they ever just they're not necessarily less intelligent than us. Maybe they have a different type mm -hmm. of intelligence, maybe different types of yeah. things that they've developed in their brain that would account for things like mind speak, which is basically mm -hmm. telepathy, right? Right. Um, so I, you know, I think we really need to keep our minds open to what's going on here. And we how, do. Rather than saying that couldn't be possible, say how could that be possible? Or just think about how it can be possible, right? I mean, in my experience, we've experience a lot of different types of intelligences out there, you know, and um, talking about the telepathy and the mind speak, you know, that's part of why I like to go out in the woods is to communicate and right. which brings up your docu-series where you guys are going to be out in those woods for an extended period of time. Now, do you think it's important that you go and get the lay of the land wherever you're going and get to know the Bigfoot in that area before you start filming. I mean, is that, is that something you've thought about doing and just to get a, a working relationship with those Bigfoots out there? Um, you know, I've been to a few places. Um, it, you know, you asked about the crew earlier. We have a, mm -hmm. a big crew. It's mixed. Some people go out, some people don't go out. We're usually going out with a smaller team. I don't want to mm -hmm. go out with a lot of people at once. So the field team is, is much smaller. Um, and I typically will go ahead of time, multiple times to the location by myself, uh, just to get a, a feel for it. Um, uh, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people that are by themselves end up having these encounters um, and it may be less safe. I don't know. I guess it depends. Very less safe. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I definitely do go and I, I, I go armed, but not with the intention necessarily of Mm -hmm. I don't know that anything I have is going to help if I actually ran into one of these creatures that wanted to do me harm. But mm -hmm. there's other things out there. There's snakes, there's hogs. People. There's lots of other people. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of other things that uh, you want to be prepared for when you go out. Um, but I do go out. I, um, I do meditate and do yoga and that kind of stuff. So I will go out and uh, sit quietly and, and meditate and just get a, a vibe, if you will, for the area. Um, I think all of that stuff's important. Um, but as far as developing a relationship. Um, I think uh, I, I might have put that a little strong. <laughs> right. Not, you know, yeah, I mean, and when I say developing a relationship, I mean, just getting used 
them getting used right. to you being out there, sure, yeah. you know, because we've yeah. been researching the same places over and over again for many years. And we, not to say we have like a working relationship with anything right. out there, but you know, there, I, I feel like there's um, a familiarity sometimes, right. you know? So the, the, the field work is, like I said, it's only a part of the documentary because I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of people do that already. I think there's a lot of that out there. I think, and I'm not talking about your teams, but I think in a lot of cases, especially in the realm of TV shows or shows or whatever you call it, I guess TV doesn't really exist in the way that it used to, but um, there's almost a need with a lot of shows for sensationalism. And I don't want to yeah. point fingers at anybody, <laughs> but there's a necessity for that from a TV production standpoint because they need to sell a TV show. I'm not trying to create I've a heard TV that. show. I'm yeah. trying to create a true documentary, which is, it takes a lot of time, um, it, many years. I mean, I've already been on this for two years, uh, just with the filming. Um, mm -hmm. So we're dealing with a lot of witnesses. We're dealing with a lot of history, uh, delving heavily into the history of the areas that we're looking at, um, especially with the lore of indigenous people, as well as early settlers. Um, so that's a big aspect of it. A big aspect of it is the, um, can we fake this? Can we photograph this? Can we film this? So from a production standpoint, um, can this be recreated? How would it be done? And is it even possible? Mm -hmm. Um, there's the field work. Uh, so those are sort of the, and then there's the witnesses, the modern day witnesses. So from those particular areas. And then also looking at the people themselves. I'm also looking at different teams that are out there other than my own and going out with them to um, look at that, the psychology of that. And mm -hmm. the story that's smart. These people. I so like that. There's a lot of elements okay. to it because I don't want it to just be, we're going out looking for Bigfoot because what if we don't yeah. find him? You know, we don't have to show if we don't find him, but I think there's a lot of other important elements to this phenomenon and to this uh, subject matter that need to be explored more that aren't being explored. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of different teams out there and I have had the pleasure of getting to interact with a lot of those teams, especially here in the South. You know, I live in Georgia right. and uh, we, we work with, you know, teams out of Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, you know, wherever Virginia, right. you know, and it's um and it's interesting and it's um I think it's very valuable to get to be around people who are, you know, have the same goals as you, but have different methods of being out right. there. And, you know, and everyone's mindset is a little different, you know, about right. subjects. And like I said, I love seeing the different angles of everything. And so, you know, I respect everyone's research, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can, I mean, there's a lot of different technology being used. And I think we need to put all, what I'm trying to do eventually is to put all that technology into one strategy. Mm -hmm. um, in my day-to-day -day business, I apply a lot of different technology to strategies for businesses. And it's sort of the same idea here is, you know, uh, regular drones, FLIR drones, uh, uh, long lenses, short lenses, trail cams, not trail cams. The idea is to put it all together to be able to get that piece of evidence that we need and to develop a strategy around how to do how to use all this equipment. Cause you're not going to, even with a FLIR, you're not going to be able to prove anything with a FLIR image. It's just a big blob. It may have a humanoid form. It may be large. Mm -hmm. It may be moving in a crazy way, but someone's always going to say that's what well, I can't tell what that is. Yeah. You know, it's just, now, it's just a blob. can I ask you a question? Are you prepared 
to lose some equipment out there to malfunctions because that happens to us every time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly something yeah. to, uh, that's part of the journey, right? A documentary is about, about the journey that you're on, you know, uh, it's, that's it's what life's about, about right? <laughs> it's about life. Yeah. So life's about, it's more about that journey you're on than it is about proving anything. Um, I'm not going to come on here and say, we're going to go bring in a Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, what's right. the, what's the exactly. but, but I do think that we can demystify in a lot of ways, some stuff around the subject matter. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can recreate a video, if we can say, then we can at least say this could be done. Was it mm -hmm. done? Was it faked? We don't know. Uh, but it could be done. And if we can't do it, um, then that's a whole nother thing. And if it was extremely difficult to do, that's another mm -hmm. thing too. Uh, I think we were talking about the Independence Day footage at one point um, earlier. Independence Day footage is the famous footage with uh, a Bigfoot mother carrying a baby through a boulder field at about a 45 degree angle. Mm -hmm. No one has ever claimed uh, ownership of that video or that they filmed it. That would be an extremely expensive video to produce, especially, I think that was almost 20 years old now. Um, and they're either using a puppet for that child that she has, or they actually put a child in that stuff. And to put a child and that level of makeup is tantamount to child abuse. So maybe that's what yeah, and it, yeah, and, and imagine if they fell, that child would be hurt severely. Imagine trying yeah. to walk through a boulder field in a full Bigfoot suit, <laughs> holding a baby or holding a, or operating yeah. a puppet while mostly looking at the camera. If you watch that video, the creature's looking at the camera quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and walking down a slope through a boulder field. I mean, that's an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, so it's looking at these things and, you know, at some point Occam's razor cuts the other way. At some point yeah. it becomes too difficult to try to pull off. And like I said, we've, we're trying this, we're doing this right now. And it, it's not as easy. It's easy. Like I said, it's easy to say it's fake. It's easy to say it's a guy in a suit. It's not as easy to actually orchestrate mm -hmm. these hoaxes that people, uh, what people are claiming are hoaxes. Um, no, I, I respect, I so respect the fact that you're able to really put that, that view on it from a filmmaker perspective and to you've, you've attempted to, you know, um, you know, you're making this suit and it's almost like you're attempting to recreate these things. And so, you know, I, it's amazing. That's not been done before, you know, not I, to I the mean, extent that you're doing a little it. Bit. There was, um, somebody tried to do it. I can't remember if it was legend or first legend meets science or one of the documentary from quite a while back. And it looks, they tried to do Patty. It looks nothing like Patty, even, you know, in the two, in 2000, you know, post 2000, um, they still couldn't, uh, a big, uh, show TV show production or documentary production out of Hollywood still could not create anything that looked remotely like Patty. Um, so if you think about like, 1967, uh, we're talking Planet of the Apes era. They were having to cover most of those ape suits up with clothing. I mean, granted, mm -hmm. they were supposed to be more advanced apes, but they really covered them up quite a bit because there's seams, there's all these things that you want to cover up in, in, in the filmmaking world. The real movie magic is showing as little as possible while producing, you know, the illusion of what you're seeing and producing the emotion and the feeling in the, in the viewer. So um, 
one of the interesting things about Patty is that you see a lot. You know, you're seeing the whole body there. If you mm -hmm. watch, go watch most Bigfoot movies, a lot of times you're only going to see, you know, here up. Yeah, the head and the shoulders. Up, head yeah. and shoulders over the, the shoulder, arms. Yeah. The arm come out. You're only seeing because it takes, in a lot of cases, those are multiple setups. Those are multiple suits. Those are multiple pieces of suits. Um, you're not going to be able to create the full experience mm -hmm. with just one guy in a suit. Uh, and so we're selling this psychologically, uh, visually with multiple cuts and multiple shots and, you know, a little bit of CGI, a little bit of practical effects, a little bit of that, a little bit of this to create that movie magic, mm -hmm. but to do it, uh, within the frame, if you will, of a lot of these videos, it's it'd be very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult yeah. to just one shot, no cuts, here's the creature um that's a lot more complicated than most people realize well i'm looking forward to your docuseries and you. you know so you're you're doing the first season around the appalachian mountains am i right so that's correct blue ridge area episode right uh -huh. uh, first episode is going to come out it's basically an episode zero it's basically a pilot and it's a primer and i you know i've said this to people before i everybody knows um how Batman's parents died. We don't, but they keep making movies about that. <laughs> you know, every movie's <laughs> got to show that story. We already know. And so um, yeah. everybody knows about Patty. Everybody knows mm -hmm. about the Buff Creek. And eventually we may, we'll probably circle back to that, but we don't need to cover that ground again. I don't think, mm -hmm. I think it's been covered ad nauseum. So we're going to start with a primer episode, which kind of goes into um, more of the paleoanthropology aspect of things. Mm -hmm. um, the genetic memory that we had talked about and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we'll go from there to the Appalachian Mountains, which are the oldest mountains in the world, as you know. Um, massive cave systems. If you look mm -hmm. at uh, the Bigfoot map app, um, yep. and he's going to be working with us on this project as well. But if you look at some of his um, data, there's actually more sightings in the area of the Appalachian Mountains than there are in the Pacific Northwest. If you consider that whole mountain range, there's mm -hmm. much more activity. So um, another aspect that we're looking at in this documentary, which I haven't mentioned yet, is cultural impact. What's the cultural impact of uh, a certain area? What's the cultural history? And how does that impact reported, you know, reporting of sightings? I mean, most, mm -hmm. uh, I know right now working, starting with the Southeast, it's very difficult to get people to talk about it. I have yeah. lots of stories. Lots of people want to tell yeah. me stories. Not a lot of people want to talk about it on camera. Yeah. Um, so there will be some cases where I'm like, I got this report. I can't tell you who gave it to me, but it was in this yeah. area. It was here. I've had some great reports and people are like, I really want to talk about this, but I need to talk to my husband or I need to talk to my yeah. wife. I need to talk to my father or whatever. And then I never hear from him again. But they gave well, it's because of that stigma, right? It's, it's the stigma, stigma and it's embarrassing. People make fun of them. And, you know, especially right. in those smaller communities, if the people have grown up, not talking about it, then, you know, there's, there's just that stigma, <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be that crazy person. Right. I've got one witness that is in the, is going to be in the show, but he says, you know, I'll go out and um, this guy's a big outdoorsman and I'll be out at, you know, with other people and I'll run into somebody that has, you know, is another outdoorsman that kind of operates in a similar area as me. And I'll go to ask them about it. And the people I'm with will be like, you know, shut up don't talk about this. You're embarrassing me kind of thing. So, mm, mm -hmm. um, it's, I've seen that so, before. 
right? So, so what's the yeah. cultural impact in different areas of the country and the world that affect how much reporting is occurring? Because we're really only going on reports, right? As far as mm-hmm. when we do population estimates as to where these things are, or, or you know, where the higher populations are of these things, we can really only do that based on human reports. Mm-hmm. And if the people aren't reporting it because of cultural issues, then that's going to have a major impact on our population estimates. So that's another well, aspect of this. Is, is now, have, have you also looked into the local folklore of areas? Because we find that, you know, wherever the folklore is, that's where a lot of the activity is. You know, people don't have stories about a big hairy man if there wasn't really a big hairy man out there, you know, right. or ghosts on a road or, you know. UFOs or whatever there. I mean, a lot of times there's, you know, or a, a witch, you know, living in the woods. There's there's if there's a story that's gone back generations and generations, mm-hmm. there's usually activity there of some sort. Well, I, I think the witch thing is interesting, too. And I posted a while back about um, and where was this? Uh, somewhere in South America, and I can't remember right now, but they had this legend of this hairy witch that would run across their roofs and in the video that was supposedly from the area, they were actually doing a, um, it was actually doing the spider walk, the spider crawl type thing that we hear about. Oh, I think I saw that. That Right, that's really creepy. What was that? (laughs) I was showing that to my mom the other day. We were trying to figure that out. (laughs) And the dogs were barking at it and all that. Yeah. And you also have the Alba Witch in Pennsylvania, which is kind of like a hairy hominid type thing. The question is, you know, you hear a lot of these people that hear the, the calls or the screams of these creatures. And it sounds like a woman screaming at first. Yeah. Right. It'll sound like a woman screaming. And of course there are females. If there's, if there's a population of any kind, if there's going to be males and females. And a lot of them apparently look very human. Are we dealing with these, some of these witch stories are coming from people hearing a woman screaming in the woods, but it's not really a woman. It's not really a witch. It's mm-hmm. these hominids or whatever they may be. Um, well, and, you know, we can't even put a label on it like it's a Bigfoot because right. we've had things scream at us in the woods that weren't Bigfoot. And that's where the remote right. viewing aspect comes in handy, sure. you know, because we can have an experience and then go back and remote view it or remote view it on the spot, you know. Yeah. So um, it gives you all the data you need, and you can, but you can really go back and examine what you experienced mm-hmm. um, from a, from a, you know, psychic perspective, basically. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's really neat. Now, we only have a few minutes left. This has gone by so fast. Um, you know, you are going to be researching in the area and doing your docuseries where there's a lot of Native American culture there. And um, and I know I've, I've heard you speak on a, a podcast recently about uh, the Judicola Rock and, um, right. you know, and, and how you got your name for, you know, your the right. title of your docuseries. Docu- so could you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So um, yeah. in... The area where we're based, uh, Georgia, Carolinas, Tennessee, we had the Cherokee, um, as you know, and um, they had the story of Judicala or Sukalu. Mm-hmm. Um, Sukalu is their pronunciation, and Judicala was sort of the anglicized uh, version. Um, so Judicala Rock exists in North Carolina, and there's it's. Petro, it's a petroglyph. I'm going to pull up uh, a picture of it right quick. Sure, right. <laughs> there and we supposedly, go. Supposedly, right there in that right-hand corner is Judicola's hand, which, uh, interestingly enough, is uh, has six fingers on it, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, polydactylism 
comes from uh, typically low populations uh, mm-hmm. that are, you know create interbreeding. So that's interesting. The idea is that he put his hand there, but I think that's really more of just a depiction of it uh, in the petroglyph, obviously, than him actually putting his hand there. It's very close to the Devil's Courthouse, uh, which is another interesting uh, area right there, and apparently it was one of his dwellings, dwell- one of the dwellings of Judicola. Mm-hmm. So Judicola was this Cherokee giant uh, known as the god of the hunt. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a very interesting story about him in- interbreeding with a Cherokee woman um, and marrying her and takes her off to live in his uh, cave basically cave yeah (laughs) which had a very steep note the other Cherokee men couldn't get to it because had this very steep rock face um so he's called the god of the hunt um there was a plural version of that name which I have a hard time pronouncing um the Cherokee talk about and they were the giants from the west the giants that came from the, the area of the setting sun and they were known as you know lords of the game um so masters of the hunt is sort of a modernized version of that lords of the game they could um they were just masters of the hunt they could Mm -hmm. it's not about us hunting bigfoot it's about the the um reputation of these these giants that came to visit the cherokee um hundreds thousands possibly years ago Mm -hmm. and so what's interesting about that i was just rereading the story of seraphim long from british columbia i don't know if you know that story uh but seraphim Mm -hmm. long was a 17 year old uh um, indigenous woman who was taken by one of these creatures in British Columbia and held in a cave for about a year before she got really ill and the creatures returned her to her village. And when she was returned, uh, she was pregnant and gave birth oh, to wow. a, a stillborn or yeah, I think it, I think the baby actually lived for a few hours. But one of the stories she tells from her time in this cave was she asked uh, the creature that took her where he got all the meat he would bring her to eat, all the deer and mountain goats and all these things. And he just clenched his fist. He just went like this. Just said, I, I yeah. grabbed him with my hands, basically. Squeezed so, and, him. And, and yeah. It's interesting you have that exact wow. same um, uh, stories in the Cherokee way down in the southeast of basically Sul Kalu just grabbing deer by the neck, snapping the neck and and walking off with it yeah um, and we do see some we do have some videos of, of these things mm-hmm. carrying uh carrying deer deer uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i've seen pictures of of them of deer that have been crushed around a tree you know that's right. why i wouldn't take my dogs out in the woods when we go bigfooting because right. you know they're they've been known to crush dogs and right. stuff so you or know hanging in a tree yeah um they hang, possibly hanging up there a lot of times they um it's they're just gutted you know, their, their yeah. intestines are ripped out. What people don't realize, their intestines are extremely nutritious. And delicious. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so if you were going to like, if you needed to make a quick kill and eat fast and get mm-hmm. out of the area, ripping those guts out and just walking off with them or eating them really fast would be a very nutritious uh, thing to do. It'd be a little uh, snack, right? <laughs> right. So um, it, it's interesting how all this correlates. And like I said, we're going to start in the Appalachian. We're going to hit different regions um, as we go. Each season will focus on a different area. And uh, Wow. And Are you so going to focus on different regions that. all across the country, uh, all the way up to the Northwest? Right. That's that's the way. Yeah. I think the Northwest would be our 
final landing point several seasons yeah. in without the yeah, that's the sort of long-term plan and the social media was sort of on top of you know how it applies to my current business um it was also a way to just build an audience for the mm -hmm. subject and build an audience for the eventual you know content as far as these documentaries are concerned that we were going to create um and to have people to that already have already been primed with the information that we have and the information mm -hmm. we put out there so that when we go into these documentaries they already have some some of this knowledge and we can sort of just expand on it from there well, I think your show is going to be a huge hit. I mean, absolutely, because I am I'm almost shocked at how big of a, of a topic Bigfoot is these days. And there are so many people that are really into it because there have been so many sightings and so many people. And, and thanks to, you know, uh, social media sites like yours, right. it's really opening up people's minds and expanding their consciousness on so, so many levels. You know, and so well, it's, it's mean, wonderful. It's very important to our future. I mean, if we could get more information, if we could get more genetic samples and that kind of thing, I mean, what's the value to medical science, which is obviously a huge issue right yeah. now. <laughs> people are, you know, uh, people are very interested in that topic. I mean, they, from psychology to the history of our own evolution to uh, genetic relevance of it now, there's, there's so much importance to the subject. And some people <laughs> will tell me I take this too seriously. I'm like, well, yeah. Maybe we don't you can't take it seriously out, enough. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like to keep a good, good, good humor and, and you know, and not Certainly, take I it too it. seriously, you know. Right. But. I mean, if you look at my grid, it's the grid is more serious. Yeah. The Instagram or whatever story is a little more fun. Yeah, um, I get it. And certainly you don't want to take any of this too seriously, but, you you know, um, but you also don't want it to be a joke either because yeah. it is real. It's so real. But, you know, there's just a, a there's, it's all about balance, right? It's all about just balancing it out and, and sure. trying discerning what's real and what's not, you know, and that's your job. You're doing a great job, too. This is this on. is going to be amazing. So I hope that you'll come back on my show, especially Absolutely. when it comes time to, you know, get your, your show right. out there. And um, let's do another one. Absolutely. We'll plan on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, Trey. Thanks, How can man. people find you? Uh, squatch me now on Instagram, squatch me now on Facebook, squatch me now on YouTube, squatch me now on TikTok. We've got <laughs> almost 350,000 people on TikTok right now that are following. I did not expect that. Uh, Amazing. TikTok especially, but um, yeah, it's great to see people. So many people are interested in this subject and hopefully we can uh, get them more educated in it and to have yeah. them taking it a little bit more seriously and thinking about it. And, you know, like I said, it's a great catalyst subject for a variety of other things. So yeah. if, even if you, uh, like for me personally, I don't have, I haven't, haven't had a visual encounter. And so I can't say hundred percent that this is a real deal, but, um, I think I'm inferring that there's mm -hmm. plenty of evidence, uh, both in the fossil record, visual evidence today, photographic evidence, genetic evidence, yeah. et cetera, that this is a real phenomenon and we're going to try to take a, a deep dive look into it. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, if you want to email me, uh, Insta Squatch at Gmail, um, and then there's squatchmenow.net. Um, okay. Which is the website. So there's lots of places to reach out. And I hope anybody that has any information will certainly send it along. I'd be happy to take a yeah. look at it and hopefully post it. Yeah. You guys follow Trey at Squatch Me Now. You will not be disappointed. And Trey, we'll see you next time you come on the show. So All thank right. you guys, everybody, for tuning in tonight and for walking into the portal with us. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you.